How much of our U.S. ag land should we sell off to our adversaries? About 3% of agricultural land in the United States is owned by foreign entities. But U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer, who is a Republican from North Dakota, says even that may be too much. He's a co-sponsor of the Farm Act, or the Foreign Adversary Risk Management Act. Senator Kramer joins me on the phone this week to talk about the issue and why he's paying close attention to it. I'm Sabrina Halverson. Here's this week's Agnet Weekly. I know that this is a topic that uh, is important to you. I wanted to talk about foreign-owned ag land in the United States, and there is some legislation out there uh, which you co-sponsored, the Farm Act. And I wanted to start off with explaining why this topic is important to you. Yeah, well, obviously, the the experience that we had in Grand Forks with Bufang, um and uh, the purchase of some land, uh, which the purchase of the land w- is one part of the the formula, obviously, but then uh, the intent, of course, to build a, a corn milling facility, which would not necessarily tie up a whole bunch of other land, but obviously tie up a whole bunch of other crop, um, and uh, and then its proximity to the Grand Force Air Force Base created, you know, a, a series of, of issues for for numbers of people. It's, what's interesting about the Pufang project, some people opposed it because of its proximity to the Air Force Base. Some people oppose it because they don't like the pollution that comes from a uh, you know, food processing facility that, that requires a lot of water and, and creates waste and all those things. And then other people, and probably me among them, was most concerned about China's continued um, ownership of critical supply chains and, of course, food being one of those critical supply chains. So that experience that we went through in Grand Forks with CFIUS, with the um, Department of Defense and the Department of the Air Force, and of course the citizens, is what heightened its importance to me. That said, I've always had sort of a general concern, particularly in recent years, with uh, China's growing malign uh, influence in the United States and and among with allied nations as well as uh, other parts of the world where, quite honestly, the United States has left voids for um, you know for China's influence in places where we used to be the influencer. You know, and I paid close attention to the Fufang situation um, as well. And to be honest with you, it it took me a little while to put the pieces together to figure out what the issue was. Um, because at first, I just saw it as a company wanting to come in and put in you know this corn facility, which would be great for some corn growers perhaps out in in North Dakota. And it really did take me a while to figure out okay, yeah, maybe there are some things here that we need to pay closer attention to. And I don't know if that's just because I, maybe I come, you know, come from a different perspective, having lived most of my life in California, where we have so many technology companies that are not, sure. you know, U.S. owned. But you did a good job explaining just then a bit of some of the issues. But when we're talking about foreign owned ag land, what, what is the biggest concern there? Or what are all of the concerns with that? Yeah, I think, for me, I think with regard to farmland in and of itself, I think it really comes down to critical supply chains. And land being critical for a couple of reasons. One, any country that can um, needs to protect its own food supply. Now, obviously, we're we're very blessed in the United States, and North Dakota is a prime example of it, in that, it, that food production is one of the areas where we actually have a trade surplus with um, most of our trading partners. Um, and and a, a net, nearly every year, we, we are, we're a, a surplus trader when it comes to, to crops, to commodities, and, and to some degree processed food as well. So 
every time an acre or a hundred acres or a thousand acres gets purchased by a by um, a foreign entity, regardless of whether it's you know it's uh, the People's Republic of China or or uh, you know some, some other country or a Canadian for that matter, um, it's still foreign owned. And land is precious in my mind for two reasons: one, it's food. And food production, again, is critical. And should there be a, a, a pandemic, a world war, uh, some other catastrophe or crisis uh, where there's a shortage of food supply, you know, we want to be able to feed ourselves. What country doesn't protect its food supply? Secondly, um, we aren't going to grow more land. And so, you know, we're, we have more people in the world to feed every day but no more acres. Now there are some undeveloped acres that can be developed and whatnot. And we ought to be all about the business of doing that on other continents. Again, a way to use our technological know-how to advance soft power rather than advance weapons of, of war. So I just think for, for land in particular, we can't grow more. We need to, we need to um, control our own food supply because it's so critical and then the fact that trade can be such a valuable tool in, in terms of both world peace and just moral obligation, and we're so darn good at producing food, I think we ought to keep as much of it you know, in, in American producers' hands as possible. You know, looking up some statistics and uh, about, I think I saw that about 3% of, of U.S. farmland is currently foreign-owned. Is there a percentage that is comfortable for you, or is there not? Yeah, that's that's a great question because one would think that's not a very high percentage, but it's obviously a lot of acres. And what's more probably somewhat alarming is that how how quickly in, in recent years that that acreage has increased. That there's clearly um, has been a concerted effort in recent years to to um, you know purchase purchase productive land by foreign entities, particularly um, China. So. I, there's not. I wouldn't say there is, frankly, a percentage that I'm comfortable with, um, because I just think we we've got to protect our own land because if once it's gone, it can be gone forever. And what we really don't want to do is start, you know, taking it back, if you will, or passing retroactive legislation, things like that. So I think the sooner we recognize the uh, you know the potential issue down the road. Something, by the way, we didn't anticipate when we let China into WTO and we gave them, you know, favored nation status, hopeful that somehow uh, our free market capitalism system would splash over on them only to wake up, you know, decades later and find out they, they steal technology, they, they extort, um, you know, things from, from countries, including land, ports, whatever they can with, with predatory financing tools, um, they uh, they require, in the case of, of investment, uh, oftentimes, or doing business in their country, they require the transfer of intellectual property. So, you know, I just don't think we can, I don't think we can wait around and say, okay, we'll let you have up to 10% or 5% or whatever the percentage may be. I think we have to slow this whole thing down, um, you know, right now and try not to, try not to, let them grow their influence on, in, uh, in certain aspects of our economy. And you brought up a great point that I had not thought about as well, which would be we don't want to do something retroactively either. That could be seen as, um, I would think, extremely aggressive and start other issues. Is, is that along the right track or am I off base? No, you're right on, you're right on point. Uh, a confrontation um, retroactively would be, would be viewed very as, as hostile, and it would be hostile in, in my view. 
And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be assessing uh, previous investments. I mean, Grand Forks, going back to Grand Forks as an example, many of the advocates for the Fufang project would use as a as a um, sort of an argument in the debate that, yeah, but what about, um, you know, what about the airplane company that, you know, that a China, Chinese company purchased 10 years ago, Cirrus airplane aircraft. Um, if it, that was okay, why isn't this okay? As though somehow 10 years didn't teach us something. And as though farmland is the same thing as, as a manufacturing facility that, and, and by the way, even, even with relation in relation to um, the air force base, um, the, the Cirrus uh, uh, acquisition has already been mi- mitigated by the Air Force. What we don't want to do is give the Air Force more things that they have to mitigate because one of the ways they may mitigate uh, a, a uh, potential threat would be to move the mission of the Air Force Air Force Base someplace else. So, um, but yes, I, I, I think you're right on point in understanding that the potential challenge, uh, certainly relational challenge, um, even I would say reputation challenge that would come with retroactive taking of um, of investments that were made previously. But we do need to keep our eye on the ball with several of those investments that have already been made and make sure that at least the illegal activity or nefarious activity isn't occurring. Yeah. In light of all of this, you introduced uh, or you co-sponsored, excuse me, the Farm Act, and I think that that was that's been several months ago, maybe even at the beginning of the year. What is the Farm Act and what would it do? So it, it, it's designed to prevent um, improper foreign interference uh, in agriculture, specifically, by really heightening agriculture's presence on the CFIUS board. So the CFIUS, the Committee for Foreign Investment in, in the United States, is a committee that's headed by the Treasury Department, um, includes several national security and intelligence Agencies, maybe not so much intelligence as national security agencies, um, along with commerce, to review certain, you know, certain foreign investments in the United States. The Secretary of Agriculture is a part-time, I guess you could say, uh, a member of the of the committee. So USDA can be invited in um, to a particular, you know, particular investment. We just think let's 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 raise the profile of of agriculture on CFIUS because as I said earlier, really food supply is certainly among the top three supply chains that we we should be protecting that that would be considered critical. Others would be certainly technology, especially national defense technology. Um, I would say um, pharmaceutical technology because we have acquiesced the vast majority of our pharmaceutical supply chain to China. And so there's a case where we have to sort of reel some of that in and get it back. And certainly uh, the pandemic taught us that our vulnerabilities there. But so the Farm Act really just makes the sector of agriculture uh, a permanent member of, of CFIUS to protect you know, the ag industry from, from foreign control, including, by the way, through mergers and acquisitions, which is another whole area that we have to look out for in, in the case of a in the case of an investment into a, a greenfield facility like Fufang was, um, you know, you, this gets very complicated when you start talking about um, mergers, when you start talking about allies that you're that are already doing business with, with you in the United States, and, and that they may have a third-party relationship with China. Um, so, really, we just want we want Secretary of Agriculture to be a permanent member of the CFIUS committee and then designate agriculture supply chain as critical infrastructure. And has the act picked up any steam? Is it getting a lot of support? 
you know, there's a lot, there is a lot of support for it, a lot of interest um, among members, uh, particularly Republican members. I don't know how many Democrats are on the bill, but, but one thing about China, and this is true of, you know, I think this is sort of true of society in general. A common adversary creates a lot of unity. And the threat of China, and Fufeng was a great example, where Republicans and Democrats were pretty much equally concerned about Fufeng. And when I, I say that because when, when we had, when, I, when the Department of Commerce and the Treasury Department specifically um, talked to me about having a, um, you know, a classified briefing after the CFIUS, CFIUS had punted the, the Fufeng decision, um, I had it. I had it in the skiff. We had the chairman and the ranking Republican of the banking committee because, of course, I'm on the banking committee, and the banking committee has direct jurisdiction over Treasury, as well as the the chairman and the ranking member of the intelligence committee. So you had Republicans and Senate, Republican and Democratic leadership, all of them equally concerned about CFIUS, and particularly why CFIUS, you know kicked the can down the road, so to speak, or, or had this non-jurisdictional determination on the, on the Fufeng uh, process. And um, I think, so I think, yeah, there's, there's good bipartisan support for it. Whether or not we ever get to a vote um, is anybody's guess, but uh, there's certainly, certainly interest in doing something about it. Do you think, even if it doesn't go to a vote, which you know, would be ideal, but even if it doesn't, do you think that this has has perhaps uh, help with some awareness? I mean, I know it certainly has for me, but has it helped with some awareness around? So you, you obviously have been covering policy very well for a long time because much of what happens in the legislative process is exactly that. It's raising awareness. Passing legislation is very difficult. Our founders thought to that. But the discussion around legislation is a discussion around a policy and around an issue. And so there's no question. The fact that you and I are having this conversation and being recorded, um, I think, is is testament to exactly that. And it's much like the, much like the Fufeng process itself. There are a lot of people in Grand Forks who are upset about the Fufeng process. People who who would consider the outcome a victory because you know the corn mill plant's not going to be there, and those who would consider it a defeat because it's not going to be built there. And and, and and I, the thing I always tell all of them is your pain through this process and the, and the divisions within the community, which will heal, um, is really has value well beyond what happened in Grand Forks. It has become sort of ground zero for how not to do certain things and how to exactly how to do certain things if you're a community activist or, or an advocate. And so... Um, yeah, I think raising awareness is exactly is exactly the victory here. If in fact it doesn't result in some other legislative victory, although I do think ultimately it very well could. I mean, the Cornyn bill um, on outbound investment that that became an amendment in the National Defense Authorization Act, which we did pass. In fact, that amendment passed 91 to six uh, in the Senate. Um, I, I think that that's a result of this broader discussion that we're having surrounding um, surrounding. China and, and even uh, land land acquisition. And I think you know, like I said at the beginning of this of this conversation, it took me a while to put the pieces together to figure out why this was an issue. But once I started putting the pieces together and thinking about, as you've mentioned many times, you know, food security and do I want uh, you know China controlling any percentage of my food? 
Well, imagine this, Sabrina, just for a second. Um, China already controls a big chunk of our of our meat processing in the United States. Mm-hmm. And in the concentration of meat packing in the United States has been, as you know, particularly in populous areas like North Dakota, has been um, a you know, trouble struggling point for a lot of a lot of our producers, particularly because we're so far away from those plants and we don't have the sort of the the um, uh, we're not we're not a, a, a key link close to the you know to the actual um, the, to the actual plants and so that distance becomes a, a somewhat of a barrier of course for us and um, so that concentration is already problematic but the fact that that concentration involves foreign ownership by Chinese investors and Brazilian investors just adds to the offense, if you will, in many cases. So it's not like we haven't had some experience with, um, you know, exposing some vulnerability, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I told your crew that I would only keep you on the line for 15 minutes and it's been just over and I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but is there anything else that you think that our listeners need to know about this topic? You know, I don't know. I don't know that they're really there is. I, I would just say this. First of all, I love this discussion. I, I, I learn as much as as, um, as you probably do in having the discussion, and, and I learn a lot from more than anything from farmers and ranchers uh, on the ground and from local communities. The one thing I would say, though, is when it comes to the issue of whether it's land acquisitions or, or the processing and the value added of, of food production or other critical supply chains like pharmaceuticals or technology, obviously national defense. Um, I, I'm a free market capitalist, and more than anything, I, I am an advocate for private property rights. But when there are certain things that are so critical, like a safe supply of food, um, you know, we, we've always had certain guardrails and protections in place. And I, what I don't want to do is overreact. They also don't want to come up short in protecting that food supply. So as much as anything, I'm just always looking for other people's counsel and, and advice on um, both what should be done and then probably as importantly, what uh, some unintended consequences could be by an overreaction. Uh, we generally, um, you know, can experiment and change things, but there's some things that are irreversible if we do. Thank you again to Senator Kevin Kramer of North Dakota for this discussion on the Foreign Adversary Risk Management Act. If this is a topic that's important to you, make sure you share this out there so your friends can listen as well. That's this week's Agnet Weekly. I'm Sabrina Halverson. Thanks for tuning in.